0: This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I am Tim Priester. It's Monday, April 1st. I am a solo act today. No fooling, no kidding. Even though it's April 1st, I'm telling you the truth. Uh, Tim O'Malley and uh, Pete Sampson, their schedules conflict. So we're going to go solo here today because I wanted to, I didn't want to wait. We'll have another podcast at the end of the week. But I did want to recap the Saturday practice, the ninth practice coincided with Coach's Clinic. And really, when you look at this you know, offensively and defensively, I think things are really coming together for Notre Dame offensively. I know in some conversations with Chip Long, um, you know, his confidence in the leadership at, at every position and then coming out of Saturday was a very physical practice. The the segments of the practice that did go live were very physical. So, offensively, Notre Dame is heading in the right direction. We've talked about their young receivers and we'll continue to talk about them. But I thought some of the young running backs really flashed on Saturday. We know who the top two running backs are with Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones Jr., and they're going to play a significant role in this offense, not only running the ball, obviously, but catching the football. But Jameer Smith really flashed uh, for the running back core. Great pad level, very physical. There was a segment where he took on – Uh, Derek Allen in a one-on-one situation and he got he was the lowest of the 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 two and and uh, Derek Allen had to to take the brunt of that that shot and then the the practice ended with Sebo Flemister breaking three tackles and that's when Brian Kelly called him up so you know I think this it it plays to the narrative that that Chip Long has painted in his confidence in the leadership at every position we're certainly seeing that at the wide receiver position with Chase Claypool and Chris Fink. Both were outstanding on Saturday. Fink was probably the MVP maybe of all the offensive players. He's just at one point Michael Burst from Notre Dame walked up and said you just can't catch the guy and it's just it's just true. Chris Fink should be a real weapon for Notre Dame again this year. He was last year certainly with, uh, with Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool but he's been very impressive and then you know the the young guys behind him continue to impress. I I I don't think we've seen Lawrence Keys have a bad practice, or we, there hasn't been a practice that's been open to the media where he didn't make an impact. Uh, Braden Braden Lindsay here's another example of of the the level of physicality and playing hard that that Chip Long has talked about. Braden Lindsay has a hamstring injury and. Um he basically played through it on Saturday, and that's a good sign as well. Joe Wilkins coming off the knee has been very good, and everybody's always asking about Kevin Austin. I thought he made a couple brilliant catches on Saturday, uh, which is probably the second best practice we've seen him participate in. And then along the offensive line, you know, I had an opportunity to speak with Liam Eichenberg the other day, and I asked him if Robert Haynesy was the leader of the offensive line, and he said Hainsey and me so that's uh, that's a good sign and I would agree with that I don't know that Tommy Kramer necessarily is the outspoken type um, you know to to provide that leadership and I don't know that Aaron Banks is either Aaron Banks is more of a I'm going to hit you in the mouth kind of offensive lineman so you know the two tackles appear to be leading that group and and that's a really good sign And and I don't think there's any doubt that you know Cole Komet is is really setting himself up for a a, a real quality junior season. Brock, Brock White, right? We've talked about him being lighter and more agile. So you really do have leadership at every position, and that starts first and foremost with Ian Book at quarterback. Who, by the way, I thought threw the deep ball. I think I said this in the instant analysis after practice on Saturday, but. I thought that was the best that he had thrown the deep ball uh, in terms of just putting the ball right on the spot. There was a wheel route run by Jafar Armstrong, and this is a, you know, Chip Long is looking for ways to be a a big play offense, which they weren't. Uh, He said they left too many yards on the field last year, and he said the lack of ability to, to break a big play was a little bit embarrassing to him. So in addition to what we see the receivers doing, there's no doubt that Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones Jr. are, have a chance to make a big impact in the passing game. We know that Jones is good at that and of course Armstrong's a former receiver, but Armstrong I think gives you the the really big play capability where he can run away from people. So things are really looking up offensively and I know, you know, in the spring we have a tendency to point to the negatives and you know there there are more on defense to point to simply because There, there are more key players that are gone from that side of the ball. But, you know, once again, I want to before I move to the defense, I want to talk about Jared Patterson because we have another example of a player and/or coach just praising him to the high heavens. And and this time, it was Liam Eichenberg who just talked about his maturity and his physicality, and everything is pointing toward Jared Patterson. I mean, it's it's a foregone conclusion that he's the starting center, but everything is certainly pointing to him. Uh, hitting the ground running. Now, he's a guy with four years of eligibility, so what you see in 2019 won't be nearly as good as what you see in 2021 or 2022. So uh, there will be a, a learning curve there and some growing pains, but that's coming out strong. Now, defensively, and I know everybody's pointing to the linebackers, and I kind of look at this coming out of Saturday in the comments by Brian Kelly, it's it's real progress. I, I didn't expect there to be solutions at the linebacker positions by the end of spring, let alone the middle of the spring. But but for him to say that Asmar Bilal definitely is in the rotation, um, which basically means he's a starter, I, I think he's the best Mike linebacker that they have. It may ultimately be his best position because it's more of an isolated position. Now, look, you still have to roam sideline to sideline and Mike linebacker. But that might be his best position because he's not in quite as much space, certainly as much space as he was at the rover position. In terms of you know, other guys developing there, we had picked up some intel that Jack Lamb was really coming along against the pass. And then on Saturday, we saw numerous examples of him being the guy on the field, at buck linebacker. We saw him in coverage. I don't know that he necessarily made a great play on anybody, but he's a guy that understands the defense. Excuse me, and then it's very active against the pass. So those are two components right there. And really I would I would throw in Owusu, Koromo and Paul Mwala at the rover position. I have some concerns about their size at the two fifteen level or less and how that you know, how that is applied when it comes to teams wanting to run the, the run the football down down the throat of Notre Dame's defense, but just in terms of Mobility and sideline and sideline ability. We saw when Moala was, when Moala was transitioning, he was kind of still playing both safety and rover in the same practices, and he struggled at safety. And the closer he moved to the line of scrimmage, the better he got. So I think that's a good tag team with Usu Kormoa. Usu Kormoa was a guy, and I know a lot of people are disappointed that Shane Simon has moved to inside linebacker first at Buck. It looks like he's working at at, at Mike now, uh, but. You know, because he was the, quote, prototypical rover. But a year before, Wusu Koromoa was the, quote, prototypical rover. So, you know, all things being equal, I'd rather see a guy that's been in the program a year longer. It's disappointing for Shane Simon, and we'll talk about him a little bit more, especially now that it looks like he's working at Mike. And it looked like he was working ahead of Bill Bauer and Jonathan Jones on Saturday. So, um, you know, maybe that's a position where he can fit. I I had a conversation with somebody from the Google regarding uh, Drew White. Come to find out the the off-the-field injury during spring break was actually a skiing accident. Um, But they expect him back. He had the shoulder surgery, but they expect him back and ready to go by this summer. And I would not be shocked, based upon what we're hearing, if Drew White actually emerges as one of the lead guys. Now, he's kind of undersized. He's having difficulties staying healthy, including when he goes on spring break, apparently. Uh, But this is a guy that they really like. Very good football instincts. Very good sound linebacker instincts. So when he's healthy, I think he can play a role there. What happens with Bo Bauer? Certainly a regular member of the special teams. Uh, What happens with Jonathan Jones? For whatever reason, just has not emerged. There's a question about Jen Markeith and John Jones in the second segment and we'll uh, we'll save that for then uh nickel avery davis was working at nickel on saturday i thought he was more productive at the cornerback position than he was at the nickel position but you would probably say that about just about anybody other than short of sean crawford because nickel's a tough spot you've got to play both directions as far as which which direction the receiver breaks and so i thought he struggled a little bit in that department and and it really was not a great day for Houston Griffith at the corner. A lot of receivers got behind him. Most of the time it was Chase Claypool, but it didn't look like on the surface that it was a great day um, you know, for Houston Griffith. So you still have some concerns there, and obviously a linebacker, but you know, I, I, I think when you're starting point defensively and the strength of your defense is the defensive line and the last line of the defense the safeties. I think that's a pretty good starting point. Now you gotta be good at linebacker and your defensive line can only do so much. And if you're not making tackles, and you're not you're not filling the right gaps, you're going to struggle a linebacker. But you know, we we've talked a ton about the the defensive ends. Those guys continue to look good. Again, the pra- the same way that we're getting praise about Jarrett Patterson uh, among young players on on the offensive side of the ball, on the offensive line, Uh, Great things about Jacob Lacey. Uh, Myron tagovailoa uh, Amosa said some really positive things. I think I posted that quote on our message board. So, you know, I know it's only four guys and certainly they need further depth. Uh, They need Hunter Spears to be healthy. They need Jamie and Franklin to be healthy. They need... Howard Cross to come in, and Mike Elson's spoken very highly of Howard Cross and thinks that he can be an early contributor. So the depth will come. It's just not here in the spring. We're a little spoiled with the depth on the offensive line. Normally you don't have that kind of depth, and so they're lacking a little bit. Anytime time the senior class walks out the door along with the fifth-year seniors, you're going to be short in some spots body-wise. But I think that defensive line remains a strength, and if that's your starting point, um, that's your greatest asset defensively. Uh, that's great. Yeah. You know, they're looking for depth at safety. And I'm not sure that that's really coming this spring. They're getting a ton of reps for Derek Allen and, and, uh, um, you know, some other young people back there, DJ Brown, uh, they like him better at safety as opposed to corner. Uh, I'm not sure that that's, that depth is actually developing, but at least, you know, you get two, Really, really solid to very, very good safeties. And Lohi Gilman seemed to be doing more by the end of uh, or during thir- uh, Saturday's practice. I wouldn't expect contact with him because the last thing you want with him is a, a setback with the abdominal. Uh, but but things are progressing fine there. So we have a bunch of questions in, in segment two. I just wanted to make sure that we gave an update from from Saturday's practice. We'll be back with segment two, Burning Up the Boards. Segment 2 of Irish Oster Insider, Burning Up the Boards. I'm a solo act today, but we're going to introduce Jack Freeman here uh, in Freeman Studios to ask questions.
1: First question from Wash N.D. We have known that linebacker was going to be a position in flux, but isn't concern growing a bit when a player like Shane Simon has already moved twice to different linebacker spots, and Bo Bauer and Jonathan Jones seem to hardly merit mention in reports? If Bilal is now the most dependable of that position group, could Notre Dame be in a lot more trouble at linebacker than expected?
0: They absolutely could be in some trouble. Now, I, to say then expected, I mean, I, I, I don't know how we could not expect it with Tranquil and Coney walking out the door. Those two guys are very productive, outstanding football players, great knowledge of the system, especially Drew Tranquil. You could put Drew Tranquil in any position and he would learn it. In one spring or one August, so yeah, it, it it's a it's a bit of a concern. It's it's something that, uh, I mean, it's disappointing that Shane Simon hasn't learned the didn't learn the rover position. Maybe Mike's a, a better fit for him. That's fine. Uh, Bo Bauer, we talked about run fits. I, I know he, he he only played briefly last year at inside linebacker, but I thought he struggled with with run fits. John Jones. Uh, you know with two years of eligibility I I don't really know what the limiting factor is there other than size and maybe just natural instincts you know we really have only seen him even up to this point you know just in positional drills working Um, you know he hasn't spent much time with the first or second unit quite frankly so not really sure what's lacking there but yeah it's a concern and I think anytime in a collegiate level you're going to have these ebbs and flows in terms of um, you know positions where where you know you have the the depth that you need and the talent that you need and the understanding of the position. And right now it's not there. But again, nobody at Notre Dame, and I, I certainly did not expect all the answers to be coming at linebacker this spring. The fact that you found some answers uh, with Bilal at Mike and definitely in the starting lineup slash rotation and and uh, and Jack Lamb, I, I I think that's progress. But they obviously have some more progress to go
1: next up dashing domer you've seen several practices now who is your favorite running back at the number three position will the type of back play figure into this choice such as power versus quickness
0: i i don't my favorite i don't know if that means who i like better or who i think will win the job but i think
1: it's who you like better
0: i i liked what i saw of jameer smith both physically when spring started and then on saturday um Sebo Flemister I mean, lit everything up at the end of practice by breaking uh, breaking a couple tackles, including one of Paul Mawala, who after practice, Brian Kelly committed him for being a sure tackler. So that obviously was the exception to the rule and good for Sebo Flemister. And then Kyron Williams, haven't really seen him in a whole bunch of live stuff. I like the way he protects the football. I think he's quick. How fast he is, I don't know. So Long way around it, I haven't made up my mind on that. If I had to if I had to choose if I had to say who do you think is going to be number three, I think I would say Jameer Smith right now. If you ask me who I like the best at number three, I would also say Jameer Smith right now.
1: Next up from at Greg two one two six, Lawrence Keyes has been a consistent bright spot going back to last season. He's played behind a potential captain. What kind of role can he make for himself in 2019? Maybe similar to Michael Young last year?
0: I think there, well, first of all, I would expect his role to be much greater than what Michael Young's was last year. It was kind of hit and miss with Michael Young. Um, now, do you potentially have a, quote, problem there if he's playing the same position, the the Z slot position? Uh, as Chris Fink, yeah, but I but I do think that they'll find ways where they can get them if it if it means getting them on the field together. You can go ahead and do that if it means, you know, we talk about the X and the Z and the W, but many times they don't align that way. And that that was all part of Chip Long coming in and having the flexibility to move people around. So I wouldn't get I wouldn't be married to that whole notion that Chris Fink is at the Z and so's Lawrence Keyes. And so therefore he's not going to be able to get the reps, uh, that he needs. So they'll find a way. And I would, you know, based upon everything that we've seen this spring, I would, I would like to think that Lawrence Keyes is going to have a bigger impact than Michael Young had last year. It was real hit and miss. Um, in fairness to Michael Young, he has definitely emerged this spring and, and is a starter and there's a guy that should step up into that 35-40 catch range, uh, if not even more, potentially. Um, but they'll find they'll find a way to get Lawrence Keyes on the field, and if Kevin Austin continues to show the things that he did, the same with him. Uh, Braden lindsay has been ha- battling that hamstring. He brings an element to it, and I really like Joe Wilkins on Saturday. I thought that was one of his better practices. So it's wide open. They're going to get more guys on the field, and this is exactly why Eric Kuma is not coming to Notre Dame, or Notre Dame is no longer considering a grad transfer from Eric Kuma from Virginia Tech because the young receivers. Two reasons: one, because the young receivers plus Michael Young emerged, and two, I know there was some, some concern about disturbing the chemistry of what they have going offensively. They feel real good about everything that's happening offensively, so they didn't want to they didn't want to disturb anything with Eric Kuma coming in.
1: A chains asked. Dalen Hayes seems like a first-team guy in the interviews. He also seems like a leader on defense. What are the chances of him being named a captain, or am I misinterpreting the entire situation?
0: You said first-team. It was written team-first guy. Yeah. And Thanks, Tim. So I'll, just the distinction, just so we <laughs> clarify. We all make mistakes. I'm about to make one now. No. Um, Please do. He is a team-first guy and, and a really bright, young man and a guy that we enjoy speaking with is he a leader of the, on the defense i don't know that's kind of difficult for me to say i'm not i'm not sure that that's necessarily his personality his chance of being captain um I, I i don't know i wouldn't i wouldn't think that he's he's not one of the first guys that come to mind with being captain but he's an experienced guy he's a very bright young man and I think he plays a leadership role in his own way. I thought it was interesting in December as we were preparing for the Clemson game and doing interviews with the assistant coaches. When Mike Elston, and I wrote about this, and we've talked about this before, where Mike Elston talked about how the, the role that Dalen Hayes plays uh, sets up other people for to make plays. And it was interesting during the coaches' um, convention or camp the other day that um Mike Elston was was talking about a technique they use, and they call it a cheek technique. And what what that literally means is the cheek, getting the cheek of your butt in the hole. Even if you let's say you're engaged and being blocked up high, sliding your cheek into the hole and clogging, clogging, clogging the path. And that it reminded me of what Elston had said about Dalen Hayes, um, you know, in December about how he. He precipitates big plays for Khalid Kareem and, and Julian Okwara. So he's a very key guy for Notre Dame. Whether he's actually a captain or not, I don't know. I think he leads by his experience now uh, and his veteran play at defensive end. At KCQB 10, is, is it
1: inside linebacker or bust for Jordan Genmark Heath? He started at safety, and it doesn't seem like his name is mentioned as a rover candidate. Curious to know where his struggles lie. Similar question about Shane Simon. What is currently holding him back?
0: I think it's an interesting question men- mentioning Jen Heath with the rover because I thought the same thing. Obviously moving up from the safety position, which Tranquil did, which Mawala has done. I'm not exactly sure um, why they have not considered him at at rover other than when he first moved to the position. They needed inside linebacker help. I, I, you know, I think I think Jen Markeith, I think Jen Markeith and Shane Simon are struggling from somewhat similar things as it relates to the to Buck linebacker. And Drew Tranquil explained it to me. Um, you have to learn you you have to train your eyes. At Rover, you you know what your keys are. At inside linebacker there's all these things flying around, around you, and you really have to, to, to home in and, and, and focus on what your keys are. And that's, I know that that's what Jen Markeith is struggling with because I've heard that, um, you know, and, and I think in both instances and, and people don't like to hear this, but this is, this is some of the feedback that we're getting. And, and a lot of it is when there's uncertainty, it's difficult for, it's more difficult for you to be physical, and I think that both of those guys are dealing with the uncertainty of how they fit within a play and how they fit within a defense. And, and that hesitancy prevents them from being more aggressive. And when you're less aggressive, you're not as physical. So, you know, they're battling it. Time is running out on Jen Markeith because, um, you know, he's down to two years of eligibility. And you would like to, I, to in an ideal world, I think a tag team, Ed Buck with with, with Jack Lamb would, would work, would be best. But don't be surprised, as I mentioned Drew White in the first segment, don't be surprised uh, if Jack Lamb wins the job entirely. They really, really like him, and he has not had trouble being physical.
1: At June 1 P3 Max, how's the offensive line looking from a technique and fundamental perspective?
0: That's a good question because I know there's, a, there's always been talk about Jeff Quinn and that, that Norden would lose some of the the fundamentals and technique from Harry Heestand. I, I don't. I think virtually from anybody that replaced Harry Heestand wouldn't be as fundamentally and technically sound as he is. That that's just the nature uh, of the way he coaches the position. But I thought about this as I was at the coach's clinic and Jeff Quinn was was speaking. I had an opportunity, as a matter of fact, just to, an aside. Terry Joseph. Jeff Quinn, Dell Alexander, Del Alexander uh, Mike Elston, and Lance Taylor were the five coaches that I listened to, and, and, and if you're a subscriber to Irish Illustrated, you get more on that in Thursday's thoughts. Um, but I, but I thought I, I, I thought about the fundamentals of Jeff Quinn as a coach while I was listening to him talk, and the thought that occurred to me was. Why wouldn't this guy be fundamentally sound in teaching his techniques just based upon the way I heard him teach a bunch of high school coaches for about 45 minutes? So I think maybe that's blown a little, a a bit out of proportion. And maybe some of it has to do with Jeff Quinn, just his personality being so different from Harry Heastan. Harry Heastan, is tougher on his players, whereas Jeff, Jeff Quinn is, is one that pumps them up with enthusiasm and positive talk. And so I wonder if that's kind of interpreted as less technique and less fundamentally sound, because Mm -hmm. when I listened to, to Quinn talk on Saturday, that certainly wasn't, wasn't my impression. I, I, I think that the attitude toward Jeff Quinn from the inside, as well as the outside, since he was hired has changed. Um, Because he's a keeper. I tell you, he's a hoot. He's a guy that he's got all these quips and phrases, some of which I'll include in my column on Thursday. But uh, uh, he's a confidence giver on that offensive line. I think it's starting to show.
1: C. John asks, The defense appears to have question marks at every level, particularly at linebacker. Does this emerging concern cause you to
0: lower your over-under win total for this team by a game or two? Uh, no, because right now it's at, I, you know, the lines at nine and a half, I think that's, I think that's a good line. I, I, anytime it's, it's, well, it's April, it's not March. Anytime it's April still, um, it's difficult difficult for me to envision, you know, playoff runs just because you see all the blemishes in the spring. But, um, the, the linebacker situation is a little bit concerning, um, but that's why I go back and point to the defensive line and think and say that that's a strong point, which will help as the linebackers continue to grow. The back end of the defense with safety gives me a lot of confidence. I think Troy Pride, I said this the other day with O'Malley, I think Troy Pride's going to have a great senior year. His preparation in practice, uh, his effort in practice is absolutely outstanding. And I think he's setting himself up for, for a great year. Linebacker's a concern. It's going to remain a concern. That's why I say if Asmar Bilal and Jack Lamb are two pieces to the puzzle as of Saturday, they're moving in the right direction. It's just going to take a little bit more time.
1: At Irish GL asks, could you see Coach Lance Taylor pulling in two highly ranked running back recruits this year?
0: I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, you know, from conversations that I had over the weekend, with Chris Tyree around, not with Chris Tyree, but with Chris Tyree uh, being around and, and some other recruits, Notre Dame feels really, really good about him. And they love him. They love his game. Um, you know, he's a he's a five-star in terms of just breakaway ability. Uh, is he listed as a five-star or four-star? I'm not really Pretty sure. Cool. But in terms of breakaway ability, he is that kind of guy. If they can pair him up with – like a Kyle Edwards, I would think that that would be a great one two punch. I would be shocked. I I would be shocked if Nordame does not come out of this with two running backs that they're really, really happy with. Whether whether that's Tyree as the speed back or McLean, I love McLean's game too. Uh there's some other guys out there like Seth McGowan. Um there there's a fairly long list of, of running back names but Everything that I have heard is pointing that Lance Taylor is doing. Well, I mean, look at the names. Just look at the level of running backs that are strongly interested in Nord and that are visiting. It's a much it's a much more exciting list than we've seen in the past. I will be I don't know about shock, but I would be surprised if Lance Taylor and of course the rest of the recruiting staff doesn't land two really, really top-notch running backs. And I think Tyree and Edwards would, would be a nice one-two punch, different style of player.
1: Next up, Doc Irish asks, what game next year should we keep an eye on as possibly being like last year's Pittsburgh or Ball State game? In other words, Notre Dame is heavily favored, but struggles and almost loses.
0: The first... Well, I don't know that i go so far as struggle and almost loses, but the first... The first game that comes to mind for me, and I actually don't have a schedule in front of me, Jack, Maybe, but the first game that comes to mind is is uh, Virginia. Virginia's on the rise. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall's done a really, really nice job there. They were dangerous last year. I could see that being a game where maybe Notre Dame's not at its peak. It's a home game fairly early in the season, and maybe they don't hit their peak. That would be a name that comes... That would be a, a team that comes to mind for me. Um, I, you know, I, I just, w- I want to say Louisville. Just, it's the opener. Maybe you're not quite as sharp as you want to be. You're on the road. They have a new coach who has who, who who has created a lot of enthusiasm there. Probably anybody other than Bobby Petrino, who is known for being a guy that is really difficult to play for, difficult for a a, a player to like. So they probably feel like. There's a breath of fresh air there. So, um, you know, let's let's wait and see. But Virginia is actually the name that comes to mind for me first because that could be somebody that maybe you just don't, maybe you don't hit your peak that day at home.
1: Um, Last question. Basketball, of all things. Irish Dude asks... I know it's the middle of spring, bulb but how surprised were you by the transfer of DJ Harvey? Or maybe relief is more of an accurate emotion.
0: <laughs> First of all, I want to clarify, he he has not, not announced his transfer. And, and the, the transfer portal allows you to kind of kick the tires and see what else is out there. So he's definitely not leaving Notre Dame. Having said that norrell was not happy with the way that he played basketball this this year. I mean, a lot of times it was as I always said it was one guy with four other guys wearing the same uniform as you and that was the only connection that they had. It was too much one-on-one, it was too much look, Mike Brave's basketball when when his offense is flowing, it's it's beautiful to watch. And too many times DJ Harvey takes them out of that flow. So the disappointment, I guess, is mutual here. And so, you know, relief on my part, I I would I would rather that he stayed and conformed to the system. I'm not sure that he's going to do that. Norton continues to look at grad transfers. Justin Pierce, I believe it's Justin Pierce. Pierce is his last name. I'm pretty sure for Justin's his first name. William and Mary grad transfer he's being pursued by a lot of big name schools i really really like his game he's very bouncy he's about six five six six but averaged i think 8.9 rebounds per game he didn't shoot it real well but he shot real well the year before he was coming off a, a, a knee injury that may have had something to do with the lift on his shot but he's a better shooter than his numbers showed and he's a guy that's really, really bouncy around the rim and can finish around the rim. Nordim Dame didn't have enough finishers around the rim this past year either. So he won't be the only grad transfer they look at. In a perfect world, I would like to see DJ Harvey stay and adapt to the system a little bit better. So that's it for today. We, we expect uh, at least a duo back at the end of the week. O'Malley will be back on Friday. I know Samson will be back a week from today on Monday, April 8th. We have more access to Notre Dame football this week. We'll have instant analysis after those practices and our next podcast on Friday later this week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football,
1: please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.